0: This program may contain adult themes and nudity, and you can never go wrong with that. Speaking of always being right, views expressed on this program are those of life-experienced mechanics. Continued listening may cause addiction, and in rare cases, a rash. Discretion is advised.
2: A mechanic
3: tries to fix your car... No matter if you're near or far Here, change your oil or fix your flat, And will do it just like that
0: Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at one 740
2: 4740 Okay, Al, hit it! <laughs> yee Hey, it's nice to be back. I tried bringing back the warm weather, but customs... Wouldn't, wouldn't allow it. Nope.
4: We're lucky to let you back in the country to begin I with. I watched
2: Border Security. I did all the rules right. and They said, forget about it. You leave that stuff on the plane. Anyways, it's nice to be here. This Tref- is not really meat. <laughs> Why you say meat? This is not meat. This candy. <laughs> candy this, is okay. It used to be
4: sheep, but now <laughs> <laughs> it's candy. He's dead.
2: He's packed in vac- oh, vacuum, so they say. You know, we were laughing before the show comes on about grandkids, right? <laughs> yeah. And the rule in my house is when you come to my house, there's no bedtime. So I have no problem getting the grandkids to come over, and we're feeding them with sugar and everything. Else. Absolutely <laughs> but... <laughs> every piece of
4: garbage that God invented.
2: It's not my job. I just send them here for the rest, and then we go home. <laughs> and they love you. <laughs> oh, it's a riot at our place. It really Super. is unbelievable. How many we got now?
4: Uh, eight. All right. Octo-Dad. octo,
2: octo grandpa. But working on that. For years. <laughs> well, welcome home. I'm glad you had a good time in Florida. Yeah, it was fun. I'll tell you the whole bunch of stories. It's just insane down there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, before we go say goodbye for a break, uh, Terry O'Keefe's going to be joining us from uh, Crown. He's going to talk about springtime being the best No, time. no, no, you missed him up. Terry O'Keefe is from Omvik. Yes, I thought that was true. I thought you got him a new job. We <laughs> run an employment
4: agency here, too.
2: And <laughs> Terry O'Keefe's going to be here from Omvik. <laughs> and stuff. Trevor,
4: yep. the Crown Prince, will be here, too. We're not supposed to call him the crown prince.
2: It sounds like we've got three other guests. People, other royalty. three guests
4: or two guys, four jobs. Other I, I royalty at
2: the crown, we're complaining, and we shouldn't call him the crown prince. Okay, okay. <laughs> but we do anyways. And, anyways. of course,
4: we've got time to take your calls as well. So yeah. you'll hear the numbers. Give us a ring, and we'll uh, get to your calls I'm just as
2: soon say, as if, talking. <laughs> if you uh, see that somebody hangs up, make sure that you phone right away because there's only a limited number of lines. They're full right now. But remember, so if they hang up, you dial, we'll be here. We do not have a in-studio guest, so all our time is free. That's it. You ring, we bring. You got it. This is Dave's Corner Garage. All righty, it's nice to be back. Alan is with me here on the uh, board. And I want to thank me for doing a great job while you were away. I want to thank Alan for doing a great <laughs> job. <laughs> what are you, reading my notes? <laughs> I want to thank Alan for doing a great job, and our co-host, Christine Lagowski, and... And Brian, Brian yeah. Max. He was Brian great, Max. too. Yeah, it was super time. We uh, used to work with Brian at another station doing a sports show. Mm -hmm. Nice guy, knows his stuff. Let's talk to. uh, Speaking of ladies, we're
4: going to talk to Susan first. She's on line one. She's got a Honda Accord. Those are usually pretty good cars. What's wrong with yours?
5: Oh well, as I've been told, it's unusual. Mm -hmm. I was having the best way I could describe it was someone kicked the car in the rear end when I was driving it on the highway, Mm -hmm. and it would only happen very infrequently. And then it started to happen more often. So I took it into the shop where I usually take the car. Mm -hmm. They don't have the right diagnostic equipment, so they sent me to a Mr. Transmission shop. Right. So the people at Mr. Transmission said that I needed a new transmission. And in mid-December, they put in a rebuilt transmission. Mm -hmm. Six weeks later, the car was doing the same thing again.
4: Now, how often was it happening before this, though? Was it was it daily or weekly that you would feel it?
5: Well, no, it wasn't, and I don't drive the car every day, and okay. it happens most often on the highway at highway speeds.
4: So here is the question: Did did after the transmission was repaired initially, did you feel any difference, or did it essentially feel the same?
5: No, it it essentially felt the same. Okay. So, um, as I said, after six weeks, mm-hmm. it started happening again. Right. I took it in to the shop because they have a one year guarantee on the mm-hmm. repair. Uh-huh. Okay. And they investigated and they had it for two or three days. And they said something about the torque converter mm-hmm. and something about the solenoid.
4: Right. So. Which would have probably been inspected or replaced when they did the training.
5: I would have thought. Okay. I get the car back saying, yes, our mechanic experienced the problem, and now it's all gone, Mm -hmm. and I get the car back. And this past Tuesday, I'm out on the highway, and between the Leslie Street entrance onto the 401 and Warden Avenue, it did its thing five times. And then I continued on to Pickering, and it did it periodically on the way there, and then... From Pickering to Oshawa, it did it so many times, my friend and I couldn't count the number of times.
4: Sorry, we don't have a whole lot of time, Susan. Did you call a tranny shop back again? I did. And what was their response?
5: Uh, Bring it in. Uh huh. I took it in. They had it uh, from Tuesday afternoon, and I'm going to pick it up today. Mm -hmm. They can't find anything wrong with it. And they're saying it isn't related to the transmission. And I've noticed that it happens most frequently when the weather is, when the roads are wet.
4: Mm. Well, I, th- I think at the end of the day, I mean, someone's going to have to come up with a, a you know, a conclusion or a repair. Yep. Nobody knows at this point what's wrong with it. Um, I, I agree. That, you know, it, it would be sad to think that you bought a transmission for no money because I'm sure you just spent three, 000, four thousand dollars. Yep. Um, but again, we have to determine if the transmission is still the
2: issue or not. Mm. There is a service uh, between the mechanics. Uh, it's called MechanicsNet. Some call it All AllData. Uh, these these services um, have these experiences from other mechanics, and they put them online. Uh-huh. It's only available to mechanics. So what I would suggest is phone, them, phone up the guys at Mr. Transmission and ask them to run it as a TSB or as, as a, an inquiry.
5: All as right? a TSD, Thomas, the, Susan, David?
2: Barbara. TSB, Technical Service Bolton.
5: Okay, and right. run run it as
2: that? You run it as that, all right, because there might have been another mechanic somewhere who put this online, and there's an experience about it, and there'll be a, a solution to it also. Right. And failing that, I would phone Honda and ask if they have a, a, a any recalls or do they know anything about this. Right. All right, that would be the the, the next logical move for my thing. You can explain the story of the transmission repair, but ask them if they've had any experience. I'll um, you know, give you a number, 905 896. 896.
5: 3500.
2: 3500. And you ask
5: for Alan. Alan? Yeah.
2: It's not this Allen; it's another Allen. <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay, great. All
2: right. It's actually my brother's dealership, and you can ask for Alan. He's the services manager. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And tell him to talk to me on the air. Okay. And ask him to investigate for you. And he'll, he'll run also a history of the vehicle for you, and he'll find out if, if there is an issue with that car. Great. It, it could be something as simple as, as if it is a torque converter or something. The tranny shop may just disconnect that system, let you drive it for a while, and see if you still have an issue. But
4: generally speaking, you know, we've worked with Mr. Transmission through yeah. the years. They're pretty good um, guys. They're a pretty yeah. good, reputable shop, and um, like I say, head office is Really, they want to make you happy in the end. Yeah. Well, that's so, just
5: it. And I'm not trying to point any fingers. It's just the car scares me to, dri- yeah. to death to drive it.
4: Well, like I say, Susan, what we have to do right now, and this is what Dave's trying to help you with, is we've got to get the car fixed or at least try to figure out what the problem yeah. is. Yeah, But then we can
2: move forward and from And then there. you have to also understand the car is 10 years old. Oh, I know. Right? So um, it, it's uh, something we think it's with age. And All right, like well, Susan, please stay Thank in you.
4: touch. We'd like to know how it's
2: working out for you. And um, that's it. Lots of luck with it. Yeah, okay. good luck, Susan. Great. Thank you. You're very uh, we're going to take some more calls when we come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to talk to you quickly about Florida before we leave. Everybody there, the speed limit is 70 miles an hour. Well, they're,
4: yeah, Seven. and they they abide
2: by it, eh? Yeah, of course. They're you all doing why? 85. Oh, no, but I thought, <laughs> I thought their ticket prices were super wow. high. They do 85 miles an hour steady. If you're not doing 85, they're actually bumping you. It's like somebody bumping you in the back. Oh, wow. Right? So here's a guy, passes me, got to be doing well over 100. huh Right? next next turn the cops got on the side of the road there you go hands on the roof the whole bit just like on <laughs> well, well he was running away there you go. Well, we never know but they're just insane they stay on the phone it's the whole way, we'll talk more all right back. all right John <laughs> Derek you hang in the line we'll take your calls right and after we this. have a free line by the way <laughs> a free cool. line there you go <laughs> we'll
4: be right back All right we're back I don't know where
2: we were but we're back you find you find <laughs> that cars do last that much longer these days? Yeah, they do last longer. Oh, why know? is that? Twenty years. Motors are good. Trannies are good. Mm-hmm. Bodies are mm, well. Not steel, bad.
4: The steel's better, but you know they still need protection.
2: And that's going to segue us in. Good morning, Trevor. Trevor. Trevor Hutchinson <laughs> from morning, Crown. How are you?
4: Fantastic today. So, are yeah. you going to take credit for all those cars lasting that much longer? We'll take
3: some of the credit, sure. <laughs> okay,
4: but <laughs> there, there still is problem areas, though. I mean, as 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 you know, like things have changed over the years. The steel is better. You know that the There's galvanized parts in there now, plastic. But, but, but as a matter of fact, but because there's different parts, they need even more protection, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're building. You know, they're using uh, you know aluminum now. Uh, they've used carbon fiber, but there's still metal metal backing. Uh, the chassis is still metal. Uh, you have electrical components that are all subject to to the moisture and and subsequently corrosion.
2: Mm-hmm. Trevor, like the F-150 is supposed to have an aluminum body, so aluminum right. when it rusts turns to powder, right?
3: That's right. It does. It doesn't rush. You don't see the brown staining. What it does is it tends to be a very light gray color, and and it does. It it powders and basically it's it's a reaction. It's a galvanic reaction, where basically you'll be able to to poke a hole through it. Like if you have aluminum and say uh, carbon steel. Uh, or if you even have stainless steel and carbon steel, you'll have that kind of reaction.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, uh, I know on my old motorcycles, when you just leave them out, come back in spring, and it'd be white powder on all the aluminum parts. And stuff. Now, Trevor, these, these these Ford
4: trucks, I mean, they are built on a steel chassis, correct? That's correct. So how do they fix that? Or how do they, you know, you have electrolysis that would normally happen, right? Correct.
3: Yeah, so what they try to do to protect against it is they'll, they'll put some sort of uh, a sacrificial material. Uh, it can be something in the form of, a, of a, a gasketing that'll go between the chassis and the actual body of the vehicle. Mm, uh, the challenge so. is, is that over time, that material will break down, and then when you add in moisture and salt, uh, at some point it's accelerated. And when I say at some point, I'm not talking that it you know, maybe in the first year or so, but certainly you get a couple years into it, uh, you're going to have issues. The other thing is, is that aluminum corrodes differently mm-hmm. and it's still subject to corrosion. It's just a different type of corrosion. So it doesn't look nasty, but in fact, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Right. And and the repairs on aluminum are significantly more expensive than on body panels that are made out of steel. Like, to, if you have to go into a body shop and get work done on aluminum, like you take one of those new Ford F-150s, mm-hmm. if you're doing work on one side of the vehicle, you could be six to $8,000 per side because of the way you have to weld aluminum. And, and not every body shop is qualified to do That's it or have some materials. Mm-hmm. I have actually
2: friends that are, are specialists for Audi, and he had to buy like $150,000 worth of equipment to fix Audis. Because they're mostly aluminum, and they get this car straight, and to tack it together, it became yep. really involved. So that was the other question I had. I came home just now from three weeks away. All my cars are gray. I mean, I got three black cars and two white ones, and they're all gray. But, you know, the reality is nothing really happens until the, until the springtime comes when it's, everything thaws out.
3: That's right. Like when we were as cold as we were last weekend in the GTA, you know, oh, it's just, just not active. Right. But as soon as it starts to warm up, <laughs> then all of that material, that's not just what you see on the, you know, on the paint of the vehicle, but imagine significantly more on the chassis of your vehicle, um, and what happens is, is it warms up and the moisture is there. Now it starts to corrode it. And you'll see, uh, like on your, even on your braking components, you can see it on the, on the brakes. You'll see it start to rust. And the reason that happens is because very quickly, that material that's on the road, when, it, when moisture hits it, there's no protection that's on the brake pad. Right.
1: So if
4: people right. haven't had their car sprayed, you know, or maybe they just bought the car recently, what you're saying is now would be a good time to get it done.
3: Absolutely. You'll see in the, next, in the next month, like very traditionally in, in, in our business, is that we go through February and the beginning of March, which is a little bit slower, and it's generally due because the weather's too cold. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it starts to warm up, uh, people realize, you know, we want to get it clean. We need to wash the vehicle to desalt it and then to get it protected. And if you do that before you get uh, too warm into the late spring, early summer, uh, you'll be able to look after your vehicle.
2: Got it. Crown.com. Sorry, yeah.
3: Crown.com.
2: With a K. I wore the (laughs) Crown hat in Florida. They all go... Can you spell? <laughs> you know that is
3: that is an age old question. The advantage is once people get it, yeah, uh, they don't tend to forget it. So uh, that that's helped us in a marketing end.
2: Thank you very much, Trevor. Have yourself a great weekend.
3: <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Bye bye. Right, take care. <laughs> bye bye.
2: Hey buddy, you know you're half wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's Dave's Corner garage. The garage doors wide right open. We come back. We'll be answering your questions. I got all kinds of energy because I slept. Excellent. Okay, welcome back, Dave's Corner Garage. The garage door is wide open. We're going to go to the phones in just a second. I did want to tell Alan about some changes in his business, which in is my repairing business. cars. Yeah. What's it? What's now good? they're doing is they're trying this in the U.S. at Ford dealerships. Mm-hmm. You will get a kiosk in the morning to come in and drop your car off. You mm-hmm. never actually talk to the service advisor. Mm-hmm. So you come in and you select what you want to have done in your car. You put in your name, address. Visa number, and then you drop your keys into the hole. Right? Bingo! When it's time to pick it up, the process reverses. You never actually talk to a person. The thing looks like the size of a, of an ATM machine, mm-hmm. and uh, there's even an extra key there for a loaner and it tells you where it's parked. Well, I guess in certain circumstances,
4: that's going to be good, you know, for people who have funny hours where they work and, and pick up. Um, but you know what? Ultimately, what we like to do, and, and this is the d- difference between a big shop and a yes. small shop. Is we like to give people that personal service. I mean, when somebody's complaining about a noise or something they feel, yeah, like the lady with like the that Honda, lady Sarah right? with the banging in the back. You want to go for a ride with the person so to, to, we can feel what's going on. I mean, I, I we joke about it, but we, we've we spent more time and money fixing the wrong noise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that one? Oh, I've had that for months. I wasn't worried about that noise. Well, so that's why we go for a ride and say, which which sound is it you're concerned about? So, so. in
2: reality, that's where it's going. The reality is that it's, it's, everything becomes electronic, and if the power ever went off... <laughs> I'll be in trouble. There okay, go. let's go to the All right, phone. speaking of power, we've got
4: Art in North York. Scott's come on an electoral issue with his uh, Nissan pickup. What can we do for you, Art?
6: Problem with batteries. I've had three new batteries put in this last five years. They mm-hmm. went out to start the vehicle the other day, nothing. And apparently the, it's the battery again.
4: What kind of, uh, is, are you
2: buying it from the Motor League?
6: No, it was from a dealer.
2: From a dealer. And, and the, they've done an AVR test?
6: They checked everything out and... Uh, they couldn't understand. That. I was just wondering if they got a bad batch of batteries.
2: No, Yeah, but you couldn't have five years in a row bad no, batteries. No. Uh, it's, many times it's a problem with the alternator.
6: The alternator.
2: Yeah, many times what it is is one of the diodes leaks inside the alternator, and the alternator never shuts off, and it's actually charged all night. The alternator is being run, and maybe like a period of two or three days, it will actually well, kill the battery. Well,
6: check the alternator, and it's okay. Yeah, but I was ult- wondering if it would be the starter motor.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't think so. That'd have nothing to
6: do with your battery. Wouldn't
2: no, no. because no. when
6: you t- when you go to turn the key and you just get a click.
2: Click clicking. click because it's low on charge. Here's what I want you to do. Yep. When you park your truck, disconnect the battery terminal. Yep. All right? And then come back when you and see if your problem disappears. If it does, then it 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 is actually the alternator. I've had many cases where the alternator is is firing, but the engine's not turning, so the, the armature is actually charged.
6: Disconnect the the, the, the cables.
2: Yeah. yeah, one of the battery but, posts. That's all you have to do. Take turn, one side you
4: off.
6: You don't have to take the two off? No. No, just one. And then you then what do you do?
4: Then try the next morning and see if the car starts right up. And if it does, and the battery's... Well, torn. you
2: have to put the other one in, eh? Yeah.
4: You'd have to well, put it back, plug it back
2: on. Well, you plug it back on, obviously, and then go fire up the car. So, or ask the dealer to check if there's a parasitic draw in the alternator, okay? In other words, something is on, and the only thing that kills the battery faster than anything else is an alternator. Yeah. All right? And I've had many cases, a diode is actually like a valve that allows electricity only to go one way. So there's six diodes in an alternator, three for positive and three for negative, because it's alternating current. So the reality is if one of those is leaking the thing never shuts off it's always on it's like the key is always on
6: the standard that if i push start it, it would would exactly it go.
2: go yeah that's correct it would yeah it would, it would push start yes
6: cuz i'm getting fed up paying 100 bucks every time to get it told. no
2: i just bought a battery for my son's car it was one, 173 my yeah price. they've gone up a lot a lot all right art get the thing checked yeah. out
6: and uh, give us a call
4: back if you have any questions but pull the, the cable par- parasitic draw is what dave was talking about and when you have the AVR test, that should decide uh, or figure out what's going on. All right, we're going to go to you Derek. You call it next. AVR? Yeah,
2: I call it VAR. Oh, did you?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've been out with the, right. You've been with the old people in Florida <laughs> way too long. Uh, Derek in Waterloo's got an issue with his matrix.
7: Derek, hello, guys. How you doing? Good. Um, so uh, your
4: car's burning oil?
7: No, it's not. I, I'm paranoid about this. Well, I just love. I always keep my car, you know, on the button. I'll change everything. And I put a, I use this car, I put about 30,000 clicks on it every year, and I love it. I've never had an issue with it. But recently when I took it in to get the oil change, the guy said to me, uh, you know, are you overdoing oil change? Because it seems you're you've burnt a bit. And I said, no, in fact, I was ahead of the
1: game.
7: Mm-hmm. And then subsequently, I guess my question to you guys is, I read somewhere on Google that Toyota with a certain year of Matrix had some issues. Mm -hmm. It might have been with the piston and the fact that they might burn oil. What what can I do going forward to just, if there's anything at all that I can minimize so that I don't?
4: Well, what you can do, I mean, certainly changing your oil frequently is a good thing. That's to prevent the wear.
7: Yeah, every every 8,000 clicks, I change it.
4: All right, well, what you need to do is go see the Toyota dealer, or call them anyways. Yeah. Find out if your vehicle is part of this recall. Right. And then if it is, what they're going to have you do is come in and do an oil consumption test, which All basically right. is they're going to want to change the oil, record exactly that it's full and what the mileage is. You'll go back again in a couple of weeks, and they'll see how much you've consumed. And once you, right. they've determined that you have burned oil and you're part of the recall, they will fix that motor.
2: Well, here's this car. 2010.
7: Uh, the year is 2010. 2010. 2010 I had, okay. have 160,000 clicks on it. Well, that's and, fair. Uh, you know, like
2: when I was running the dealership for Honda, we were allowed to burn one liter of oil per thousand kilometers and it would still be within spec. So don't be don't surprised.
7: Think, I've never seen the oil light in this car ever. Come out. No,
2: no. Well, oh, yeah, but that only
4: comes on, Derek. This is where you have to be careful. That only comes up when you've used all four liters. Okay. Uh, Oh, I get you so, right. So right. you still want to check it regardless? All right, we okay. got to run. I don't know if you can hear the music, but I, like I said, call a Toyota dealer if your serial number and vehicle are part of the uh, recall. the recall. They'll take care of it. There you go. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We're back with more calls. We got a couple lines free, so give us a shout right now.
2: Okay, it's Dave's Corner Garage, and it's time to get a little serious. I like that for the show. Make sure it's just a little, <laughs> eh? Alrighty, you know what, uh, uh, go back to the 2008 bubble for real estate, okay. where they were selling houses to mm-hmm. people who were- Who we had it? no business getting loans because That's they right. had no money, really. So when they were not credit worthy, they called them subprime. Mm-hmm. Now, in the US, what's happening is they have this going on in the car business, where they actually, you know, the way they buy here, pay here, nobody's refused, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. What they do is they don't really care about the price of the cars. What they're interested in is, is repossessing it. So they sell cars to people who have no business buying a car because they can't afford it, Mm -hmm. and they repossess it, and they do the whole thing all over again. There's cases in the U.S. where the same car was sold eight times Mm -hmm. over a period of three years. It was sold, repossessed, sold, repossessed, yielded.
4: Well, so the number one thing is, first of all, if if you can't afford a car, you shouldn't be buying a car. Yes.
2: And secondly, so they think – there are so many of these vehicles out there now mm-hmm. that they're thinking this could cause another recession because of the amount of money involved in these cars. So it's not as much as a house, but there's so much so much activity going on in buy here, pay here, that they're actually frightened that the big recession might just start to be triggered by and cars. And the numbers
4: were crazy on that, that story. They were talking about, first of all, the interest rate
2: people were paying was almost 20%. 19% is the average interest rate, mm-hmm. and the average default rate is 31.45%, 32%. <laughs> One, no, one in every three cars gets repossessed. Gets repossessed before it's finished a contract. So there you go.
4: You make sure that you read all the paperwork. You don't want to yeah. be signing one of these contracts where uh, – Well, it's they're... not
2: up here as much as it is down there mm-hmm. because down there, they're a lot more liberal with their lending uh, laws. Right. And up here, we're more stringent because of folks like Omvik. And the, when he comes on from Omvik, when uh, Terry comes on, he's going to tell you a story about some of these guys which are curbsiders uh-huh. where you're buying a car from a guy who doesn't actually exist. Right. Yeah, I'm selling the car from my brother. My brother needs a car, I'm selling it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back to the phones. we got Benjamin in Toronto who's got a problem with his Chevy truck. What's going on, Ben? Uh, well, the uh, truck
7: itself, uh, it goes in drive okay, and then every other uh, time when I put it in reverse, it just spins, and then if I really slow down, idle it, it will click back in. Mm. So I wondered if there was something wrong with the Hmm. transmission or if it's a secure shift.
4: It sounds like the transmission. I mean, yep. you, you first of all, check the fluid level, make sure it's full. Yes. And it, uh, is. it is full, eh? Well, then, unfortunately... Does it smell
2: burned? When you check, the, when you check the fluid, did, if, if you give it a sniff, is it smell burnt or is it is it dark in color?
7: Oh, I, I couldn't... No, no. Okay. Know.
2: Uh, because reverse is the one that needs the highest pressure, right, Al? Yep. Right? So if there's a problem with... Uh, A filter being plugged or something like that. Reverse is usually the first one that acts up.
7: Okay, now you you don't have a a price for that would cost to fix, do
2: you? Well, first I would suggest that we service the transmission, right?
4: Well, I would go and see a transmission specialist. I mean, you should go. You know, there's lots of people out there. Mister Transmission was mentioned earlier. They're a good company. Um, Have them look at the fluid. If if they feel that the transmission is serviceable. Um, they will service it to try to alleviate the problem. Yeah. But on the other hand, if if the fluid is too dark and they see that the pressures are really bad, uh, you're going to need a new transmission most likely. Yeah. Um, you're probably looking somewhere between. What I what to guess about two to three thousand dollars in that vehicle. Yeah,
2: well, it's a '99 Chevy, so it's not a complicated tranny. So yeah, know.
4: yeah. But it's, uh, it's like I say, don't just spend money having someone uh, change fluid for no reason. You want to get it diagnosed properly, and it's a free diagnostic. I mean, they don't charge for that, so you really can't go wrong. Alrighty, Ben. Yes, thank you. You're very, oh, well. you're very Take welcome. Take care. We've got Anne next, and Everett, I'm not sure where Everett is, but she's got a focus. Let's see uh, what's going on there. Anne? Hi. Hi, where's Everett?
5: It's uh, just in the north of uh, Alliston.
4: Okay, cool. What's up?
5: Uh, yeah, I have a um, Ford Focus, and the engine light uh, came on about four weeks ago, and I went to see the mechanic, and he got that gadget and he removed it, right? and then it came on again two weeks later.
4: Question, when he said he removed the light, what did you he know, do? No, it's
5: the, the gadget that they use to see what it is.
4: Right, but he just shut it off, right?
5: Yeah, it shut it off. Okay, so what... So he said if it comes on again, uh-huh. it'll come back. Right. Because he thought it was just a glint with my, with my gas thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, um, two weeks later, it came on again. I made an appointment for later on that week. By the time I got back to him, the engine light had gone off. Okay. And now... Two weeks later, it's it's back on again.
2: Okay. That's called a soft code. A
5: stop
2: what? There's different types of codes. There's a soft code and a hard code. A soft code is telling you there's an immediate issue, but obviously it's resolved itself because it went off. A Uh hard code is a failure, and it stays in memory on the computer. So what you should be doing is actually getting in there and tell him to read the codes. He's going to read them, and he's going to tell you that it has a a P-something with, a, with four digits behind it, code, mm-hmm. and, and that'll lead him to the repair. So the, what's happening now is it's running on backup.
4: See, what could possibly be happening here is the, the computer tests the car, you know, depending on the driving conditions. So, for example, if the light was out and then all of a sudden you're doing a long highway run and it sees the EGR system not working properly, it may trigger the light to come on then. But if you don't do that kind of highway run, it may never see it. So, again, as Dave is saying, being a soft code where it doesn't stay on, there's no panic. You don't have to pull over to the side right. of the road. And uh, But next time the light comes on, go see the dealer and uh, they can, should yeah. be
2: able to diagnose it, it for it, you. It should keep it in memory and they have the ability to read it. And don't worry, the car will continue to run. It's like a computer running on backup. The computer actually puts a number in there and continues to run the car, so you'll not break down. All right, Ann, thanks okay. very much for calling in with that. Great. Everett, that's where the Mount Everett if is. If you could read my
4: mind, love. Uh, yeah, I know All right. <laughs>
2: I think we should stick to I fixing Su- cars and not singing. Suzanne Goes Down by the River was a better one. No, I, I
4: think, like my song yeah. better.
2: All right, we're coming back with uh, Terry from O'Keefe from Convick. Not Gord's Gold? No. Okay. Who's that? Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> if you could read my, oh, my God, come uh, on. Okay. All right, this is Dave's Corner Garage and uh, and, and singing lessons, too. we got to run. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back.
2: Speaking of potholes, there was one so big a guy was backing a boat up to <laughs> <laughs> Terry O'Keefe is on the phone from OMVIC, Ontario Motor Vehicle Industry Council. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great, guys. Seven days a week, this guy works. Can you imagine? Wow! <laughs> Actually, it's probably even more when you figure it out. Uh, Terry, we have a problem with still curbsiders. Uh, you just one guy what, a forty thousand dollar fine in Ottawa.
8: Yeah, that's um, a very recent conviction. Uh, he was selling cars from Sailoron Repair and Collision Center. Yeah. Um, even after we had warned him that what he was doing was illegal. He continued to sell cars, so he was convicted on 19 counts wow. and, uh, as you said, a $40,000 fine. Uh, another repeat curb, uh, curbsider from Mississauga, Andre Campbell. Mm-hmm. His fourth conviction last month, he got 50 days in jail. I
4: was mm-hmm. going to ask you if they do jail time. I think that's the only way you can sort of keep them off the street, eh? At
8: a, at a certain point in time, you know, when you see repeat offenders over and over, that type of recidivism uh Fines obviously aren't working, and it's going to take a jail sentence to try and address
2: the issue. But, Terry, I got to get rid of my stock. (laughs) I got all these cars in stock, and you're not letting me get rid of them. Do do I have not access (laughs) to my cell phone when I'm in jail?
8: (laughs) You can get rid of your stock, Dave. You just have to become a registered
2: dealer. That's correct, yeah. And actually, it's not that simple either. You've got to be, uh, first off, Uh, knowledgeable secondly uh, you have to be competent money-wise you got to be there's a lot of things to become a dealer
4: you know it's it's funny though you kind of wonder why we need this service but sebastian our operator was just telling the story during the break about a friend of his you know bought a car and and it's like she had blinders on like she had no idea that there are bad people out there selling cars right and there are so many
8: Twenty five percent of classified ads in Ontario Is right? are placed by a curbsider. Fair it's to- that prevalent. And you're right. Some of these are bad guys. They're you know the the common source of inventory, salvage auctions. They're buying, and this was the MO for both the curbsiders we just talked about. They're buying salvage vehicles, fixing them up. Often the repairs are dubious, and then they're selling them to consumers without disclosing the true history of the car.
2: And you see, the answer to that is if a car is written off, the serial number disappears, but they don't do that.
8: That's not the current system.
2: That's right. So the reality is, I think that's the insurance lobby saying, yeah, our insurance rates are going to go up. So the reality is they, they cash out on these vehicles. But those cars should actually become auto record problems. Well, they
4: should be scrapped altogether. Yes, They exactly. really shouldn't be fixed because, as we know, most of the time they're not fixed properly.
2: Um, and they are they dangerous. They can't be because they're paying so much for the scrap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and We're even
8: seeing cars that are going back on the road without airbags in them, and they've just removed the warning lights so the person buying the car doesn't know.
2: Doesn't even know.
4: Oh, which, you know, and and that's funny because, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of it, but they've just changed or tightened up a lot of the regulations. And one of the things we as mechanics have to do on a road test now is look for visual inputs. In other words, is there a trouble light on the dash illuminated? And like Terry just said, well, they just take the bulb out, right? So how do I know that there's no airbag in the car?
8: Yeah, it's really important for anyone considering buying a car privately. Please go to our website. Learn the telltale signs of a curbsider, and protect yourself. Because when you buy privately, uh, even from a legitimate private seller, you're on your own. If there's a problem, OMBIC only regulates registered dealers, and we can only help consumers that have done business with a registered dealer.
4: Right. So somebody who thinks they're going to be selling a, you know, buying saving some money by buying privately could be setting themselves up for a, a bad bad situation. Carrie, is
2: it is that the only reason people buy privately is because they think they're getting a better deal? I think that's
8: the most common reason. They think they're going to be able to buy, a, you know, cheaper. And in some instances, you can. Uh, but if you're trading a car in, you have, you know, keep in mind that if you do trade a car in, you're probably going to pay less uh, because yep. you're not going to pay tax HST on the value of your trade-in.
2: And it's not easy selling a car. I mean, you're talking about Kijiji. There's something like twenty-eight thousand of these cars on the on the on the listing.
8: Oh, you're so right, and I, I can only speak personally. When I have uh, placed anything online to sell, within 20 minutes, I'm getting text from clearly from scammers. Yeah, you know, whether it's a piece of furniture or a car. So, selling a car privately uh, can be a daunting task.
4: Yeah, I mean, look what's happened. Somebody got killed by trying to sell a car. Well, Straight up, guy. You know, that's right. The guy with the truck. It right? happens. Um, I I had a a, a big two big, big burly guys come in and look at a car that one of my customers was selling. And afterwards, my guy came in white, and and, and he was covered in sweat. He was shaking. He said, these guys wanted to kill me. I was so scared. Uh, So it happens. You know what? Uh, Go to a dealer. That's your best choice.
8: And if you are going to insist on selling your car privately, if you're going to meet those customers, some police uh, departments have centers right at a police station for these type of meet and greets.
2: That's great. Or go
8: and meet them, just park in front of the police station and meet them there, but take steps to protect yourself.
2: Good advice. Great advice. Thanks,
4: Terry. Have yourself a great weekend. And you. Thank you. Omvic.ca. That's the one. There you go. You got any questions about you buying new or used? That's where you got to go. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Thanks, Terry. Alrighty, righty, we're in the last segment, and we got a text from one of our listeners who's asking uh, parking sensors. And it says, hi, Dave, can you talk about parking sensors on new vehicles? At times they go off even when you're not close to anything. Exactly. We, uh, I have that in my wife's car, as
4: a matter of fact. She's got a, a newer Infiniti, and we're going down the highway, and all of a sudden, eh, 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 eh. But you don't see anything in front of you. You don't see anything behind you. What it was was the snow.
2: Snow or some something uh... debris of some kind,
4: yeah. you know, fooling the sensors. The sensors being blocked. Its vision, its path of vision is ba- is blocked by something, and in this case, it was snow. So, how does the sensor work? Not really well.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, is it sound that comes out?
4: No, it's it's like a radar or a lidar yeah, yeah, they call yeah, it yeah, now, yeah, yeah. And, and it's sending out a signal, and if and if it gets reflected back to it, it it thinks there's something there. Um, and these sensors are going to have to be improved because as we move towards autonomous vehicles. You know, don't forget, the manufacturers, just the other day, as a matter of fact, Ford and somebody else said, by 2022, they expect a full Level 5. That means a vehicle with no controls in it will be on the road. So that's scary. They better make... some inroads into making these sensors better. I, I know in my wife's car, the only repair is to disable it. But the problem there is... Well, there's a
2: button to, you can push. Yeah. You have
4: to go... No, that would be easy. A I button. Have we well, have that in our car. You know, but, but you have to scroll on this car. You have to scroll through so many different menus. And when you're going up to 404 at 100Ks plus plus, you can't be doing that. Besides, because
2: you're on the phone, having a coffee, and now you want me to scroll? Exactly. You want me to scroll through (laughs) menus to find out where the frigging bumper is? You know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but they were talking about autonomous cars. How many people will lose their jobs when this really comes into effect? Because bus drivers will be losing their jobs. Taxi drivers will be losing their jobs. And, 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 but, but on the other
4: side of the coin, and it depends, of course, if you work in a body shop or not, but because autonomous cars will be talking to each other, there's going to be way less collisions.
2: So, uh, so, so there's going
4: to be body guys that are, that'll that be out of work.
2: So all those guys, they'll be zooting in out of traffic. <laughs> all these autonomous cars will have brakes on. Interesting stuff. Uh, a couple of things I did want to bring up. Let me go through my notes here. Mm-hmm. And I will talk about um, tire. Do you, this, remember we used to pay five bucks a tire to. Yes, uh, they want to end the tire program. Yeah. I wonder what uh, what Darren would have to say about that. So, well,
4: apparently uh, there was a little bit of corruption going on at the top of the chain. There, yeah, they were
2: loaning each other money or something. I don't know were the money. Uh,
4: and uh, but but at the end of the day, the idea was good. It's, t- it's too bad it didn't work properly.
2: It's like most government ideas; the money never goes to where it's supposed to go.
4: Well, the t- the only good part of that was the tires were being collected, so they weren't being left by the side of the road, or you know, or or adding up in in, in tire dumps and then catching fire.
2: Now, this was an article in the. Um, National Post. Mm-hmm. So it goes like this. A guy buys a Freestar in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. A decade later, he buys a Ford Focus in Alberta and keeps the Freestar. Both keys look the same. Mm-hmm. So they, the family keeps the keys at the door. Right. What happens is they go and they click the button, and it, the key will open either door mm-hmm. of either car. So in other words, it's the same code that's in the FOB right. in the British Columbia car and in the Alberta car. But it won't start the vehicle. All right. So that's, okay? a, that's but, a good part of it. That's a good part. But the bad part is you have access to the car. Mm-hmm. He happens to own both of them. So he writes forward and asks them, when is, how many of these things work on other cars?
4: So in other words, how many different combinations... Can, are there?
2: Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering how many are there. Don't know. So if you take your key fob and you walk through the parking lot, who how many, how many cars are you going to open with it? Right. Well, I
4: guess the good part is at least you you know you can help yourself to the stuff sitting on the seat, but at least you can't steal the car. So
2: he, he contacts his dealership. He contacts Ford, and he gets automatic emails. The truth is, they didn't didn't respond to him. But it's an interesting problem where your keys will fit other cars and mm-hmm. maybe in some effect it might even start another car. Well, exactly. And, and and down the road well, but so many people don't even have keys anymore. No. I don't. It's I strictly electronic. Yeah. yeah. I have a thing in my pocket. Right. And you also should realize that the battery in that he will only last about four or five years. Mm-hmm. And it's time to change it. How do they know the battery is going to be bad?
4: Because on, on, on most new cars, they'll actually have this little thing on the dashboard. It looks like a fuel gauge, but it'll say battery. Oh, yeah. And it'll, uh, it'll warn you that, uh, that your battery is almost down. Uh, I know Toyota has done that. Lexus has done that. Honda has done that. Um, and, and then if you ignore that, it will actually flash. And then if you continue to ignore it, well, then
2: your car won't start. Well, the wife comes to me on Thursday and uh-huh. says, your car does not start. <laughs> now <laughs> it's, it's your car. It's always like car when it doesn't work. Of course. So I said, well, let's try the other key. The other key, maybe it starts. Mm-hmm. So I said you, the, ba- the thing is battery's is dead. In the, right. So it's a little cells, a three volt battery. It's a twenty twenty five usually uh, is the code on the side of the three volt cell. You swap it out, and in some cars, you actually have to go into the car to recode it. You put in the ignition and, re- and start the vehicle up, and it'll recode, and then everything works normally.
4: You know what? They actually have uh, instructions in the owner's manual to reset. And, yeah, well, to just to change the battery, and uh, the other thing is to if you go to YouTube, which is really amazing. YouTube's the best. <laughs> you know, you, you literally pry, type in. How to change key fob battery yep. on whatever you got. That's what I did. And sure enough, you're gonna have a couple of different ones there and you go, hey, that's mine. You click on it. Hey, my name's Zorako. I'm gonna show you how to change it a battery. And and
2: what happens is there's a little button inside the inside the cover. You gotta click this little button and the thing just pops up. But but
4: please, exactly <laughs> read the instructions or or, or watch the video. Because if, if you think you can do it with a hammer and a screwdriver, you're liable to break it, and they're really expensive. Oh,
2: Sometimes seven, dollars $800. Dave, we're at the end. we got to run. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Sebastian, thank you for uh, whatever you do back there. I don't even watch. He does a great job, though. <laughs> and thanks for calling in, and we're going to be back next week for another edition of Dave's Corner Garage. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Together, just sing a song and bring the sunny weather.